0: Chapter thirty of Love at Second Sight by Ada Levison. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Helen Taylor. Chapter thirty Edith, during the short journey home, sat with a smile on her lips, thinking of a little scene she had seen before leaving Eastcliff from the hall, known as the lounge, of the hotel. She had watched Dilly, beaming with joy, playing with a particularly large air-ball, bright rose-colour that Aylmer had brought her from a well-known character of the place, a very old woman, who made her living by the sale of these old-fashioned balloons. Dilly was enchanted with it. She had said to Aylmer, when the old woman passed with a quantity of them, They look like flowers, they ought to have a pretty scent, which amused him immensely as she held it in her hand pressing it with her tiny finger a tragedy happened the air ball burst edith could hardly help laughing at seeing dilly's expression it was despair gradual horror shock her first disillusion then as tears were welling up in the large blue eyes she was saying oh it's dead Edith saw Aylmer snatch the collapsed wreck from the child's hand and run as fast as he could, which was not very fast and only when leaning on a stick, after the old woman. He caught her as she turned the corner, brought back a pink and a blue air ball and gave them to Dilly, one for each hand. The child beamed again, happier than at first, threw her arms round his neck and kissed him. How touched and delighted Edith was. Would Bruce ever have done such a thing? Aylmer had so thoroughly appreciated the little drama of joy, disillusion, and consolation shown in the expression in Dilly's lovely little face. Had anything been wanting to Edith's resolution, this small incident would have decided it. When they arrived home, a day sooner than they were expected, the servant told Edith, at the door, that madame frabelle had gone away gone without seeing me yes madam a telegram came for her and she left last night here's a letter for you madam edith ran into the dining-room and tore it open my dearest edith it said to my great regret a wire i half expected came and i was compelled to leave before your return to join my relative who is ill I can't tell you how sorry I am not to say goodbye and thank you for your dear, kind hospitality, but I'll write again a long letter. I hope also to see you later. I will give you my address next time. May I say one word? I can't say half enough of my gratitude for your kindness and friendship. But apart from that, may i mention that i fear your husband is very unwell indeed his nerves are in a terrible state and i think his condition is more serious than you suppose he should be humoured in everything not worried and allowed to do whatever he likes don't oppose any of his wishes dear i say this for your and his own good don't be angry with him or anybody. Never think me wanting in gratitude and friendship. Truly, I am still your affectionate friend, Eglantine. What a strange letter. How like her to lay down the law about Bruce. It irritated Edith a little. Also, it made the future seem harder. About four o'clock, Landy called, unexpectedly. He always came just when Edith wanted him most, and now she confided in him and told him of her promise to aylmer he approved of their resolution to wait till aylmer returned from the front and to have nothing on their conscience before he was indeed much relieved at the postponement and how is the spanish girl he asked how does she get on with lady conroy oh all right she's not spanish at all she had rather a blow last week poor girl her father nearly went bankrupt she was quite in despair it seems your friend valdez came to the rescue in the most generous way and she's immensely grateful he helped her did he said Landy, smiling he seems to have behaved most generously and charmingly do you think he's in love with her Landy? very likely he will be now and she she adores aylmer will she fall in love with valdez out of gratitude c'est probable c'est à espérer enfin mets toi mon enfant and where is madame frabelle asked landy edith looked at the postmark apparently she's at liverpool of all places but she may be going somewhere else i haven't got her address she says she'll write c'est ça when does elmer return to the front he goes before the board tomorrow, and will know then. That evening, when Bruce came in, Edith was struck by his paleness and depression, and she began to think Madame Frabelle was right he must be really ill. Then if he was, could she later be so cruel as to leave him? She was in doubt again. Very bad news in the evening papers, he said is it so bad? Edith, said Bruce, rather solemnly, without listening. I want to speak to you after dinner. I have something serious to say to you. Really? Yes, really. Edith wondered, could Bruce suspect anything? But apparently he didn't, since he spoke in a very friendly way of Elmer, saying he hoped he wouldn't stop away long. The dinner passed in trivial conversation. She described Eastcliff, the hotel, the people. Bruce appeared absent-minded. After dinner, she went to join him in the library, where he was smoking, and said, "'Well, Bruce, what is it you have to say to me?' "'Good heavens!' said Bruce, looking at his writing-desk. "'If I've spoken of this once, I've spoken of it forty times. The inkstand is too full.' "'Oh, I'm so dreadfully sorry,' said Edith feeling the strangeness of Bruce's want of sense of proportion. He had, as it seemed, to speak to her about some important matter, yet the inkstand being too full attracted his attention, roused his anger. She remembered he had said these very words the day he came back from his elopement with the art student. Edith looked round the room while Bruce smoked. And so she had really made up her mind she meant to leave him not that she intended to see aylmer again now except once perhaps to say good-bye but still she really intended to change her whole life when he returned again she felt rather conscience-stricken but was glad when she looked at bruce that there had never been anything as yet but platonic affection between her and aylmer which she could have no cause to blush for before bruce and how grateful she felt to Elmer for his wonderful self-control. Thanks to that, she could look Bruce in the face. Bruce was speaking. Edith, he said, with some agitation. I-, I wish to tell you something. She saw he looked pale and nervous. What is it, Bruce? she asked kindly. It's this, he said in a somewhat pompous tone. I am in a very strange condition of health. I find I can no longer endure to live in London. I must get away from the war. The doctor says so. If I'm to keep sane, if I'm not to commit suicide, I must give up this domestic life. She stared at him. Yes, I'm sorry. I've tried to endure it, he went on. I can't stand the responsibility, the anxiety of the children and everything. I'm... I'm going away. She said nothing looking at him in silence yes i'm going to america i've taken my passage i'm going on friday i thought of leaving without telling you but i decided it was better to be open but bruce do you mean for a trip he stood up and looked at her full in the face no i don't mean for a trip i want to live in america and you don't want me to come too no, Edith. I can't endure married life any longer. It doesn't suit me. Three years ago I offered you your freedom and you refused to take it. I offer it to you again now. You are older, you are perfectly fit to manage your life and the children's without me. I must be free. Free to look after my health and to get away from everything. You mean to leave us altogether then, said Edith, feeling unspeakably thankful!" "Exactly, that's just what I do mean!" "But will you be happy, comfortable, alone in America?" He walked across the room and came back: "Edith, I'm sorry to pain you, but I shall not be alone!" Edith started thinking of Madame Frabelle's letter from Liverpool Evidently they were going away together of course i give up the foreign office and my salary there but you have some money of your own edith it will be enough for you and the children to live quietly and perhaps i shall be able to afford to send you part of my income that my father left me when i get something to do over there he added rather lamely you mean to get something to do yes when i'm strong enough i'm very ill very there was a long pause then Edith said kindly, "'Have you any fault to find with me, Bruce?' "'Edith, you are a perfect mother,' he said in a peculiar tone, which sounded to Edith like an echo of Madame Frabelle. "'I've no fault to find with you either as a wife. But I'm not happy here. I'm miserable. I implore you not to make a scene. Don't oppose me. Forgive me. On account of my health, this will save my life.' if he only knew how little she wished to oppose him. She stood up. Bruce, you shall do exactly as you like. He looked enchanted, relieved. I hope you will be happy and well, and I shall try to be. May I just ask, is Madame Frabelle going to America? Edith, I will not deny it. We mean to throw in our lot together. Look out, you'll have the ink stand over. She had moved near the writing-table. Edith stopped herself from a hysterical laugh. "'You won't mind if I go down to the club for an hour?' "'Certainly not.' "'And, Edith, say what you can to my mother and comfort her. "'Tell her it's to save my going off my head or committing suicide. "'Will you say that?' "'I will,' she replied. Five minutes later the door banged. Bruce had gone to the club. He hadn't told her, he had taken a room there, and the same evening he sent up for his luggage. He did not wish to see Edith again. Just before he went out, as if casually for an hour at the club, Edith had said, Would you like to come and see Dilly asleep? It had occurred to her that at least he had been frank and honest, and for that he deserved to see Dilly again. Edith, my nerves won't stand, seems. "'I'd better not. I won't see her.' "'Oh, very well,' she cried indignantly. "'I offered it for your sake. "'I would rather you didn't see her.' "'Try not to be angry, Edith. "'Perhaps, some day... "'No, never.' "'You would never let me come back again to see you all?' "'Never, never.' "'Edith?' "'Yes?' "'Oh, nothing.' you needn't be so cross. Remember my health.' "'I do,' said Edith. "'And—Edith?' "'Yes, Bruce. Don't forget about the inkstand, will you? It's always filled just a little too full. It's—it's it's very awkward. Remember about it, won't you?' "'Yes. Good night.' "'Good night.' And Bruce went to the club. The next day, Edith felt she could neither write nor telephone to Aylmer. Just once, only once for a long time, she must see him. She confided in Landy, who invited them both to tea at his studio, for once only, and was urgent in impressing patience on them. When Edith arrived with this thrilling piece of news to announce, she found Aylmer alone in the pretty white studio, Landy was expected back every moment from a lesson at a pupil's house. Aylmer was beaming with joy. "'Oh, my dear,' he cried, "'I'm not going away at all. "'They won't have me. "'They've given me an appointment at the war office.' "'Oh, Aylmer, how wonderful! "'I know now I couldn't have borne your going out again. "'Now!' "'He put his arm round her. "'Ah, this she felt.' was real love it wrapped her round it lifted her off her feet but now aylmer we mustn't meet for a long time but why not what is it something has happened aylmer i needn't keep my promise now what do you mean aylmer bruce wants to leave me he's going to leave me to desert me and the children too what? "'Do you mean—do you mean like before?' "'Yes, but this time he won't come back, "'and he wants me to divorce him, and this time I shall—' "'Edith! And do you mean—will he want to marry again?' "'Yes, of course, and she'll take care of him. "'He'll be all right.' "'Oh, Edith!' exclaimed Aylmer. "'Thank heaven for Madame Frabelle." End of chapter thirty End of Love at Second Sight by Ada Levison.